Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of A Stab in the Dark, the alibi podcast that investigates the worlds of crime fiction and TV crime drama, that gets dressed up in Victorian finery, pours itself a nice glass of claret and deduces that the maid did it with a lead pipe in the drawing room. Yes, in this episode, we'll be going back to the Victorian age to check in with Rachel New and Kate Phillips, the writer and star of Alibi's brand new period crime drama, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. We've explored the world of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's great detective before, but now prepare to meet the female Sherlock Holmes, Eliza Scarlet. My name's Mark Billingham, and welcome to A Stab in the Dark. Rachel, Kate, welcome to A Stab in the Dark. Hello. Thank you for coming. <laughs> now, I gave that tagline that Miss Scarlet and the Duke kind of positioning itself as a show about female Sherlock Holmes. Is that a fair description? I think so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that was definitely in my mind when I came up with Eliza Scarlet. I wanted to write a female uh, Sherlock Holmes. But she's less superhero, I think, and more human, uh, has more kind of fragilities and, and is more recognisable, uh, relatable than Holmes, um, who was... Brilliant. She actually she's brilliant, but in a in a different kind of. Yeah, she's he, not as he, weird as Sherlock. Holmes. He was very weird. <laughs> well, he, well I, she has she has her quirkiness. He has this, like you say, this sort of superpower, and her superpower is that she's just a really intelligent, bright woman. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. sort of surprising for people of the time that she's sort of so outspoken. Yes, and, yeah, and absolutely. Has a level of agency that people don't expect her to have. But she doesn't shoot bullet holes in the walls when she's bored. No, I, I wouldn't, not yet. Not yet. I mean, season two, there'll, there'll hopefully be a few bullet holes there, but no, not yet. <laughs> yes. So Eliza is the first female private detective in London. Yeah. Tell us how she gets to that point. Well, she gets that point because, as, as Kate said, she's, she's a very smart, progressive woman. Um, her father has taught her everything she knows. He was a high-ranking uh, detective inspector at Scotland Yard. He then retired and became a private detective, ran his own company, and he dies and basically leaves her penniless and with a choice to either marry or take over the business. And she wants to be financially independent. She wants to pay her own bills. And that's what she decides to do. She decides she's going to build up her father's failing detective agency and earn money in something that she knows she can be really good at. Um, but it's the 19th century. Women were meant to be at home, demure and and uh, submissive, being ha- uh, wives and mothers, not running around the city of London solving crimes. So she's kind of seen as an oddity, a bit of an outcast, a misfit. Certainly doesn't fit into to that, the society of the time. Um, and that makes her very interesting and there's always lots of lovely conflict that follows her around so that thing about about not wanting to get married one of my favorite moments in in the first episode is when which starts with a kind of oh this guy wants to marry her this is all very awkward Uh, and then at the very end he he kind of turns up again and goes down on one knee and well it's not what you expect it to be (laughs) no no no, it really isn't um so she has this relationship with her father which who we see in flashback um, and I guess that's going to continue on. But she also has a relationship with, with William Wellington, the Duke. Um, now, that's obviously there's a spark between them and sort of flirtation and stuff, but he really just doesn't compute at all that a woman would be capable of, of doing these things. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a man of, of the time, really. Um, there's a huge amount of love and respect between the two of them mm. um, buried somewhere. They've been friends, well, they've been each in each other's lives for years. They grew up together, so they have a kind of sibling 
uh, rivalry um, in a way. But as you say, there's a kind of will they, won't they uh, story that runs throughout the whole of the series. Um, I think he finds it quite difficult to make space for her, but she's kind of relentless. And over time, they kind of they carve out this mutual respect for one another. Were there any notable sort of female private investigators, detectives in that time that you came across when you were researching this? No, I mean... Nothing? I have, no, <laughs> no, really nothing. I mean, later on in the century, you did sort of get um, female store detectives or, you know, but there, there was no one really of that time running their own agency, which, uh, you know, that's what made it so exciting for me because I... I, I love the Victorian era anyway, but it, it, I chose it because it's uh, the same but different. It's a, in, in terms of society, it's very similar to what we have today in the infrastructure. And it's not that long ago. And I wanted to take a world that we can recognise, but uh, to highlight that the surprise that women really were second class citizens. I mean, they, they essentially went as, from property of their um, fathers to their husbands and I thought well what a great place to put a progressive ambitious independent woman in the centre of that world to really tell that story to to you know get a cracking story from it. I mean the other thing that was happening at the time was was this huge explosion in science yes. and scientific discovery and so on which is what I think what makes Sherlock Holmes so unique in that he used science you know to solve crimes not God or intuition or anything like that um and that's another kind of area of the world that women at that time were just not supposed to be involved with at all. Yeah, you know, yeah, stay absolutely. away from the test tubes and yeah, all that absolutely. Kind of stuff. And and I've sort of, I mean, I was interested in that time period anyway. But it, it, my interest was really cemented by reading my niece's history degree, her dissertation, which was about women and the nineteenth-century asylums and their roles in, you know, the medical profession of which there weren't many. So that women were really at the mercy uh, in the legal system and the medical system mercy of men um, and how a woman an inconvenient wife um, an annoying wife whatever you want to call it could be chucked into the asylum and the, the, the key could be thrown away if her husband or father chucked her in so it, they, they they had little or no rights at all really yeah um, and that's very much part of the storyline of episode one that's isn't right it? yeah um so we've had sherlock we've had the alienist we've had ripper street uh we've had alibis murdoch mysteries why is this period just so popular when it comes to crime drama. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking at you. I'm looking, yes. I mean, you I, have to speak. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, love, I love the Victorian era. I, I mean, I think we, in general, have a fascination with um, period drama. Mm. Uh, there's something about uh, perhaps the nostalgia of, of another time, but, but particularly the Victorian era where... Um, you know, there was this birth of forensic science and sort of uh, uh, sort of problem solving in, and 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 the kind of thinking that the Victorians engaged in mm. um, that you see in so many novels and um, dramas of that time. Mm. Um, and I, I, th I think people sort of love that intrigue, and they and particularly these these crime dramas of the time. I mean, there's mm. some sort of the the underground of the London Victorian yeah, world. It's, you sort of fascination. People isn't there? people are super excited mm. about it. Yeah, I think so. I think also there's that sort of macabre fascination with the Jack the Ripper, which was about six seven years later. I deliberately set this earlier. Yeah. Um, for for me, I don't. I haven't got a particular kind of. Um, 
I mean, I like lots of different periods to, to tell a crime story, but for me, I think the Victorian era is is Dickens, and I know it's a different era, but Austen as well. I'm a mad Austen fan, so so many of her characters I think would fit in with a with a good Dickens novel, and I just think it, the Victorian era just evokes that. It just evokes mm. how how hard it was, but all these colourful characters. Um, that's what I th- I think that's part of it all, and obviously you've got the Sherlock Holmes, it, yeah. and it. it it comes with its own sort of atmosphere, doesn't yes, it? You think of yeah. something like Oliver and, yeah. and already you've got these great characters like mm. Fagan mm. And, and the Artful Dodger and yeah. Bill Sykes and, you know, they're from this uh, criminal <laughs> world and you just want to get to know them a yeah. bit more. It strikes me that one of the things that's really great about setting something in that period is that the freedom it gives you in terms of writing writing a crime story yeah. in that you're not hidebound by all this technology you know, I've just written a I've just written a book that is only set in the mid '90s, but not having mobile phones and CCTV, and it was like, oh my god, what a joy! You know, all those things that coppers rely on all the time. Yeah, you've yeah. got to have a detective who's basically just using their wits mm. and not mm. going, what's the cell site triangulation? And let's look at the CCTV pictures and all that. Yeah. So it must be sort of freeing for a writer, I would have thought. Oh, it, it it really is, and I think it makes the for the protagonist, for the detective, it's a, a lot harder, which again makes a better story. Um, because they don't have, and it, it, we're in it. Our show is in 1882, and it was, uh, I think, in 1878. CID had just been formed, so I definitely wanted the detective department to be in this story. And but it was at the time it was it, forensics was it was in its infancy. Um, I think. Uh, uh, fingerprints weren't actually used until 1901, something like that. Um, so it's much more, you know, in our in our story, you know, Eliza Scarlet and and uh, the Duke, they have to rely on their kind of uh, powers of deduction and their intuition, especially Eliza, who who you know she's she's uh, got a very sharp mind. So it's much more interesting. It's much more f- a fun way to to tell a story. To tell she's a also story. pretty handy physically. In that you know there 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 are. F- Several moments when she's not afraid of a, of a fight yes. and yeah, and of yeah. threatening violence and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she's she's not kick-ass though. She is still. I mean, she's progressive and she's smart, but she definitely is. You know, she's a nineteenth-century lady. You know, we don't, we rarely see her run, do we? We see her run a couple of times, but her corsets a bit oh, tight. I was going to say the costume. I, I, is, just, you can't I do wonder a lot of whether actually. I think there was a time when I was meant to be running, but um, we, we just had after to... I got um, I was suited and booted. I think everyone realised there was. No way that I was running in that corset. She, she could barely breathe, could she? <laughs> so a, a brisk walk is about as... <laughs> yes. She can't... She, there's no pursuit. There's not too much in the way of pursuit. So, Kate, you've appeared in a lot of period dramas. The Alienist, Wolf Hall, Picky Blinders, The Crown. You must be a dab hand at all this now. Very familiar with the corset, I should uh, imagine. Very familiar. O- uh, only period dramas. The most um, contemporary I've done is 1952. Why? Um, Why? How's that happened? Well, I've gone and got my hair cut. I wonder whether to try and um, encourage people to cast me in a contemporary drama. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm not complaining because I love every drama I've been a part of and and the worlds that you get to dip into are uh, have been rich and wonderful 
Yeah. So is that now like on your CV? Actually, you know, the, can, the can do speaks all French, <laughs> rides horse, corsets, yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah. Can, wear, can wear corsets. Can wear yeah. corsets. I mentioned Peaky Blinders. Just need to talk about Peaky Blinders a little bit. Um, I'm a Brummie, so, uh, you know, it's great so. to be able to watch. And it's, God, it's so huge in Birmingham. The last time I was back in Birmingham, it was a of huge murals everywhere, and there's like really? a whole industry. Really? Isn't there now a theme park? I'm sure I didn't dream this. <laughs> I no, there's heard like that a Peaky Blinders so theme yeah. park, and yeah. I didn't know about that, but someone did tell me that they had. Um, were they? It was either Manchester or Liverpool. They'd been to um, the Peaky Blinders um, bar, cocktail bar, and um, people go and get dressed up. Yeah, it's in, become in a trendy look, time. isn't it? The hair and the sort of yeah, yeah. Peaky world, and and in fact. Um, we went to the first Peaky Blinders festival. A festival, oh, yeah, yeah. Peaky fest. And it what wasn't, it wasn't your fest? typical festival in a in a in a field with terrible toilets and everything, wasn't that? <laughs> I'm sure there were terrible <laughs> toilets. Um, so yeah, it was a music festival, and uh, it was fantastic. And everyone dresses up in Peaky Blinders outfits. It was, okay. it was great. We loved and it. And are you are you done with Peaky Blinders now? As as Linda definitely left. Uh, I hope not. I think I, I I hope that there's uh, uh, there's still life left in Linda yet. <laughs> yeah, you can't see the expression. That, uh, <laughs> it's very diplomatic. Kate is very very diplomatic. Do you so? I mean, you must have been thrilled when Kate came on board to play oh, Eliza. Absolutely, I, I'm just so so thrilled. Um, yeah, I I watched her in uh, Wolf Hall, which was the most amazing show ever, and The Crown. Um, and yeah, I, I was. I said, her, please. Yeah. <laughs> can we yeah, get can her, get please? One, please. Um, um, yeah. We will be talking more to Rachel and Kate about the Victorian age and why it's such a right period for crime stories in a little while. Now, as promised, it's time to see what our roving reporter, our man with the spyglass, Paul Hirons, has been up to. Paul, what have you got for us? Yes, thank you, Mark. Now, some of you out there may have just watched Channel 4's excellent crime series, Baghdad Central. Based around the Second Gulf War and the American invasion and or liberation, depending on where you're coming from, of Iraq in 2003, it tells the story of ex-police chief Mushin Kader al-Khafaji, who's forced to take drastic action when his eldest daughter, Sausan, goes missing. Not only do you have this riveting police procedure going on, but you also see a man pushed absolutely to his limits, morally, ethically, emotionally, every which way, and who also has to navigate torn loyalties and work with all sides, the Americans, the British and the Iraqis, to find his daughter. Uh, yes, it really is fantastic stuff, and I'm very pleased to say that the star of Baghdad Central, Walid Zweta, joins us on the line from L.A. Walid, welcome to A Stab in the Dark. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. It's great to be on the show, and uh, I'm, I'm just happy to be talking to you. Well, you're very welcome. I just tried to do my best to describe the show. How would you describe it to those who haven't seen it yet? Uh, you did a pretty good job. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's um, uh, i got to say, like, it, you know, uh, set aside the political historical context of the show what's really um amazing to me about the show is that they've done we've done such a great job of creating a memorable i call it like a noir film suspense crime thriller tv series and you know the setting is uh october 2003 in baghdad and the occupied forces of the americans and the coalition forces have been there for six months and the Iraqi army and the police force has been disbanded. So in the aftermath of the invasion, 
there's effectively there's there's no effective rule of law. So in the midst of this chaos, my character uh, Mahsan Khadr al Khafaji, he's an ex Iraqi ex policeman that was serving under the Saddam regime. He's has lost everything, and he's battling daily to keep himself and his sick daughter Marouge safe. And then um, his estranged older daughter Sosan uh, goes missing. And so Khafaji's forced into uh, this desperate search for her, and by all means, like you said. Um, and then Khafaji quickly discovers that Sosan's disappearance is linked to a bigger murder uh, or a murder case of an American employee. And so he, he entwines himself in that investigation to uncover the truth about what's happened to his daughter and to her friends. I mean, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? I mean, uh, and, and Kafaji yeah. is a really interesting character, I think. He seems like a good man, but he's he's also willing to work with some very unscrupulous characters to, to kind of achieve his goal, right? Yeah, and I think it's um, it's a really great character study, um, and it's, it's incredible what people will do when they're pushed against the corner. Mm. Um, I mean, I, you know, I've been in... in some war situations myself. I was in Kuwait when the Iraqi invasion happened. Mm. So uh, I have a little bit of a taste of what that means, but but war basically will, in my opinion, bring out either the worst or the best in people. And and in, in this situation, this conflict and the war and the disappearance of his daughter brings this guy, Hafazi, who is pretty much... Um, become complicit with the situation and given up on life and brought him back to life. And, and, and against all odds, uh, he triumphs and he's, he's this character that we as the audience, uh, start rooting for. And, and what you said there was really interesting, Waleed, because you said that I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough not to have lived in a war zone, but you said it brings out the best and the worst in people. But from what I, what I got from watching it, it sometimes does both at the same time. You mentioned that uh, you you've had a little bit of a taste of of this, uh, presumably in the first Gulf War in the early nineties. Am I right in saying, or or in two thousand three? Right. No, this was in um, in ninety one. I would believe right. uh, when the Iraqi invasion went into Kuwait, because yeah. I, I grew up in Kuwait and I was living there at the time. I mean, what was that like? So I was about 19 years old when the invasion happened in Kuwait, and I, you know, grew up in Kuwait, relatively, you know, well-off family. My parents were both working and doing well for themselves, and I was there for the engagement party of my older brother. And so when the when the invasion happened, you wake up the next morning and you see tanks outside your house, and the phone lines get cut off a couple of hours into it. It's, you know, one, it's surreal. It's yeah. like, I can't believe this is happening because Kuwait is a relatively safe country to be in. And and it was, you know, wealthy and still is a wealthy country per capita. Um, so nobody really took this impending threat of I- Iraq and what they had gone through in the previous eight years and, and how they'd been depleted through the war with Iran. And so when it happened, it was, okay, uh, what do we do now? And so w- what happens is, I think, just human nature is you start to think of the worst mm. and um, and just fearing the worst-case situation. You know, 
I, I remember, you know, you, you wonder, well, how can I help others that I care about or friends? Yeah. And that's what kind of what I refer to when I, when I say that, you know, brings out the worst or the best in people is, and we see this in the show where you'll see even some family members turning against other family members to protect themselves. Well, as you say, uh, Waleed, Baghdad Central is, I mean, it's fascinating, terrifying backdrop to have this police procedural based on, and it's really a fantastic watch. So, Waleed, I mean, I could talk to you all day about your experiences, uh, but thank you very much for joining us. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. A big thanks to Waleed there, and you can buy Baghdad Central on DVD and digital from April the 13th. And I must, before I hand back to Mark in the studio, say thank you, a big thank you to composer Scott Salinas, who let us use the fantastic theme tune to the show in this little segment. And with that, it is back to you, Mark. Thanks, Paul. We are back with Miss Scarlett and the Dukes, Rachel New and Kate Phillips. Um, I want to delve a little bit deeper into the into the whole Victorian period and why it's still so popular. Um, I don't, we're not just talking about crime drama here. What, why does that era still interest so many people? I mean, it's not just Jack the Ripper, is it? I mean, how, how deeply did you go into the, researching the whole Victorian period? Well, I mean, it's a bit of a dull answer because... Um, no, no, it's not. <laughs> like most writers, I, I'm, I'm not going to come out with any, anything, you know, that, that most writers don't do. So, you, you know, you do your homework and, you know, books, podcasts, documentaries. I'm actually very lucky because I've got my... Both my in-laws are, are historians as well, so okay. I was able to ask them quite a lot of stuff as well. <laughs> you can say both my in-laws are Victorians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're Victorians. Um, they're wearing very well. Um, uh, I think I wanted to be as accurate as possible um, with my research, and um, I think we pretty are bang on, but there were t- moments where I would take the spirit of a, an event right. um, and then play a little bit looser with the date. So we've got an, an episode about um, the suffragist movement. So this was precursor to the suffragettes of the early 20th century and they were um, trying to get the vote by peaceful means petitions to, to Parliament and um, I took a, 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 a sort of a woman more akin to the suffragettes who would do any, you know, whatever it took to, to get the vote. And I kind of plopped her in this peaceful world. So, you know, that, that realistically, that probably wouldn't have come for a good decade. Or Which is so. exactly what you should do as a exactly, dramatist. But of exactly. course, you will, there will be an email. Going, My enjoyment of your otherwise excellent crime <laughs> drama was spoiled by the yes, fact that I I, you, there's I'm always those people. I'm going to get a people. few, you know... Uh, you know, cross from Tembi or whatever. But um, I think there were moments like that, and as long as they they fitted in with the spirit of the show, and they were a mechanism to tell an interesting story about the Victorian world, about the nineteenth century society, then I kind of went with it. Well, it's a drama; it's not a yeah. documentary, yeah. is it? Yeah. We have mentioned Jack the Ripper. You've done all this research. Can't let it go. Do you have a theory? Um, well, I saw an amazing program about it, um, and. Uh, I kind of agreed with them. They, I, I can't tell you the, the actual details of who the guy was, but they do think that there was another... Um, uh, it was Amelia Fox was presenting it. OK. Um, and they do think that there was another couple of murders that weren't on the face of it related to them, um, and they think it was this chap who uh, stopped 
the killings because he ended up going into a uh, an asylum um, in Barnet. Yes, so you know the story probably oh, better than I do. I know who Jack the is. I was told who Jack. I got I got a tour of the Black Museum. And the first thing they do is tell you who Jack the Ripper was. And all the people go, ha, 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 ha. And they go, no, really. Yeah, he was a Russian. He was called Aaron Kosminski. Yeah. Uh, and he was Jack the Ripper. Yes. And they go, we yeah. solved this case. We yes. solved this case, yeah. you know, yeah. an awfully long time ago. But people don't want to know about it. Yeah. You know, unless it's, oh, was it one of the royal family or was it this famous yeah. artist? No, it was just this. Because he tried to kill his sister, didn't he? He, he was sort of extremely violent and unstable. And uh, that's and, and he they plotted out kind of his movements and where his, his hunting ground. And it all just pointed to this. And there was a witness. There was yeah. a key witness. And the reason the witness was never, the reason there was never a trial was they were worried about race riots. Kosminski, uh, I think, was a Polish Jew. The witness, who I think was called Israel Schwartz, off the top of my head, was a Polish Jew. They were worried that it was it was going to kick off. Right. So rather than arrest him and stage trial, they just quietly removed him and they put him in this asylum where he died. That's and they and, and they just went there. You go, case yeah. closed, and everybody yes. goes. Oh! Well, the, the, the murder <sighs> stopped. Yeah. yeah, but of course nobody nobody's mm. interested because mm. you know there are there are so many uh, terrible books. You know about mm. this theory and that theory and cutting mm. up paintings and getting mm. it's just nonsense. We were, we'll leave all that nastiness behind. Now, one of the fun things I like to do because I don't get out much these days <laughs> is to look at some of the strangest causes of death in Victorian England, which is just one of the weirdest things. So you have this woman called Jane Goodwin uh, who died in church from having her corset laced too tightly. Little word of warning there, <laughs> Kate. When they, you know, that you get that overzealous wardrobe mistress who starts going tighter, tighter. Just go, Jane Goodwin. Um, and there was a woman from Liverpool who died after eating too much of her own hair. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard that can happen. <laughs> I must do that. Really. Two, I must stop doing two that. pound ball of hair inside. I don't know, you know. Me and my uh, cat. And then you had these weird diseases and ailments: cholera, infantum, delirium tremens, opium, inebriety, inebriety of the heart, melancholia, mental alienation, and this is my favourite: tired of life. Right. How, can you, how can you die of being tired of life? I'm bloody yeah. tired of life, and but I don't think I'm going to pop off. But the, the, and they like to put insanity at the end of everything. So for women who were thrown in the asylums, if you had an affair, you were thrown in for moral insanity. Yeah. Um, if um, The Victorians also thought that the female reproductive system caused mental illness. So the <laughs> conditions that we saw, we, we you know, like uh, postnatal depression, PMS, menopause, they saw that as mental illness, so you were you were thrown Off in for that as well. Yeah, yeah. And then what was oh hysteria was a fantastic one as well. I don't know whether you, I'm not sure that's on your list of you could die from. No, hysteria, I haven't got hysteria on here. Yes. And that could be. Well, how would that manifest itself in, in enough to get you banged up in the local um, if asylum? If you didn't agree with your husband, your husband. Or, mm. I think I want to decorate the drawing yes. room blue. I'd rather yes. have it red. Take her to the asylum. <laughs> exactly. She must be mad. She's as mad <laughs> yeah. as a hatter. Yes. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Now, I, uh, we mentioned Arthur Conan Doyle uh, at the beginning of the episode, obviously mm. Sherlock Holmes and the huge shadow of that cast. So are you a fan of, of Conan Doyle? I, uh, well, actually, um, I named Eliza after a study in Scarlet. Mm. That, and I have to admit, it was obviously Miss Scarlet, uh, the Cluedo, but it, it, that, that was where initially um, where I got her name from so yeah I think that particular book I really love because it's rather lovely that you see the beginnings of Holmes and Watson and how they come together and how they become flatmates uh, housemates and I, I'm not a massive fan but enough to to enjoy it and uh, yeah I think one of the things I've always loved about Conan Doyle was his incredible polymath who 
you know, an explorer and, a, and an incredible sportsman. I think he played cricket for the MCC and football Amazing for Portsmouth man, and yeah. science and all in Sherlock Holmes. And he believed in fairies. Yes. That's that's the most beautiful little... He was taken in by the whole cotton yeah. fairies thing. And isn't that kind weird? Of psychic, kind of obsessed with the kind of powers of the psychic and hypnosis and really did believe in all that kind of ghosts and spirits and all sorts, yeah. So where is where is Eliza going from here? Do you have do you have a kind of huge story arc planned out over several series or Yeah, pretty much. The premise is woman in a man's world, um as soon as that premise well it will it will never be any different for her. She's always going to struggle and she's always going to have problems. So it's about her really just struggling to survive really and getting some recognition that she deserves. And and, and just to say just um, when I wrote her, I, I'm a firm believer in. I don't know whether you have this when you're writing your novels, but it's they don't have to be likable. Your protagonists. Oh God, no! I hate it, that. Yeah, they but they have to be relatable. So you yeah. look at Walter White, Tony Soprano, those fantastic fictional characters, and you you they're not likable, but you totally relate to them. You see their struggle in you, and I I really felt strongly that Eliza. Uh, you know, she's got, she has got a moral code, but she's not a social worker. Um, and her number one priority beyond anything else is to survive. But what Kate brought to it, which was fantastic for me, is that she is likeable because she plays that bravado yeah. and that kind of, and she can be a bit spoilt and a bit high handed and a bit, but because you see her struggle and Kate portrays her vulnerability so beautifully, you 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 do like her and you are rooting for her and so, there's grief there's this there's an ongoing period of grief yes, which is i'm so exactly. glad you mentioned that thing about likability yeah. because yes. yeah it drives me it, mad it's such a bugbear and yeah. and i'm sure you hear it a lot when yeah. it comes to to uh, stuff on telly you hear it in all it's one of the reasons i love succession so much Absolutely. is that none of them yeah. are likable yeah. nobody they're all unbearable, they're all yeah. unbearable but you end up Kind of you rooting root for, for them, them of course, you, yeah. But it's like, oh, there's nobody to like in this. Who's yeah. the person I like? Duh. Yeah. No, oh, I'm very glad you, you, you like. You like them because you see yourself in them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly. sort of relieved to see people on screen that are <laughs> despicable. Um, because finally, Speak for yourself. not just me. You go, not <laughs> yeah, just me. Not just, not just me that does those horrible things. Well. Yeah. Just before we let you go, yeah. and we're going to spring this on you, we always ask uh, all the guests on the podcast for a recommendation, a mm. recommendation on something you've read that you want to recommend, something you've read recently, and something you've seen on TV. So, I don't know which one, well, which one we want to go for straight in there. TV. I uh, the the best thing I've seen in in a long while was unbelievable. Um, okay. Have you seen it? I haven't. It's no. um it's a it's a it's a drama about a true true crime and that occurred in the states um and. It is exceptional. It's got Tony Collette, and actually, I forget I forget the actress's name because I've never seen her before. Um, but her name is Phil. Ameri Phil. 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 Um, no, her, her name's not Phil. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> oh. I, I just meant Phil. As there's some quite googling on the phone going. On. And and what's her name? Oh, uh, well, her name surprisingly is not Phil. Um, her name is well, uh, the actress is Merritt Weaver, and she plays Detective Karen Duval, and who is now my 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 hero. Um, and it's a, a brilliantly uh, crafted drama. It's 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 obviously a true story, but you know this this uh, what they've obviously devised this relationship between these two female detectives, one of whom is Tony Collette. And it's um, I just would recommend anyone to Ooh, watch I it. Watch I think that. it's amazing. And okay, it, and it's very, something very to watch exciting. from you. Rachel. Well, um, 
I love all things crime, but I have to, hand on heart, when I'm writing, the last thing I want to do is watch a drama. I find it really hard work, and if it's really good, I feel really jealous and annoyed by it. (laughs) So I tend to watch lots of true crime. So I've just finished watching the BBC Murder 24-7, which I thought was fantastic. Um, And it's all stuff like The Jinx, The Staircase. Um, I love 24 Hours in in, um, Police Custody. Apart from that, really, that the stuff, the 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 crime stuff, I like really is is just all those top dramas like Happy Valley, Broadchurch. Although that's a few years ago, isn't it? I need to update my. Yeah. I need to update my. Also, those true crime things—they do make you realise that that you know the whole thing about truth being stranger than the fiction. There's nothing you can make up. You make something up and you think this is so weird and dark, and then you watch something that's real and go, oh no, it's just perfectly ordinary. Absolutely, um, but I think I'm not. I think I went out with a group of writers, uh, friends of mine, and we all agreed that it is really difficult when you're scripting to sit down and watch a drama because it is, it is, it is work. Um, so I don't find that relaxing. So can I give a recommendation of? of uh, Murder 24-7. You absolutely can. Thank you. And what about something to read? Um, Doesn't have to be crimey. Well, it's is it in, it's MI5-y spy? That's crimey, that's very it's good. It's a bit crimey, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's um, very I love, crimey. I love spy, spy books. So I um, recently read Transcription, um, Kate okay. Atkinson, one of her sort of recent yep. ones, um, about uh, the protagonist is a young woman set in the 40s during the Second World War and she's put in place to investigate some Nazi sympathisers and it's great. That sounds great. Okay. Sound. I'm going right. to go for a study in Scarlet. Okay. I, I'm going to go for that because I think it's a brilliant... Um, I love the, the just getting to know Holmes. You know, he's this... Um, He's not a medical student. He's not a, a student of science. He's a student of deduction. And I love uh, getting to know a little bit more Watson and their relationship. So I would recommend that. Well, you can't go wrong with studying no. Scarlet. And I need to recommend, if you're a fan of spying, spy fiction, mm. you need to read a writer called Mick Heron. Okay. It just, because I, I never was a massive fan of spy fiction. And then you read the first of these Slough House novels, which is called Slow Horses by Mick Heron. It's like crack. I promise you, you not that I know what crack's like, honestly, <laughs> um, but it's just brilliant. So start with Slow Horses, okay. uh, and that's about to be filmed, I think, with Gary Oldman. As, they're just brilliant, but also f- laugh out loud funny. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant books. Um, so some top recommendations from our guests there, and a huge thank you to, to Rachel New and Kate Phillips for joining us on the latest episode of A Stab in the Dark. You can watch Miss Scarlet and the Duke every Tuesday on Alibi which, of course, shows all of the best crime drama and is available on Sky, Virgin Media, BT and Talk Talk. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please remember to review, rate and subscribe. Go on, it makes a huge difference to us and to the future of the podcast. Go ahead, make our day. If you don't, well, I shall send a gaggle of bully boys round dressed as Victorian ruffians to stuff something beastly through your letterbox. A special thanks to our producers Paul Hirons and Joel Porter. My name's Mark Billingham and thanks for listening. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money.